It's time for Watch and Learn, the show where we discuss the life lessons we learn from the movies we watch. Today, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Hey, Movie Maniacs, my name is Sky, and I'm here with my brother, Dusty. What is going on, Dusty? Hey, dude, what's going on? Not much. Same old, same Oh, actually, something really cool just happened. You know how occasionally movies get re-released in theaters 20 or 30 years later and stuff? Oh, well, yeah. uh, just a few days ago on Saturday, I took the family to go see Goonies. How was it in the theaters? It was awesome, man. I, I It was the original, um, you know, the original version that they showed. They didn't add in, like, the convenience store scene nor the octopus or anything. Just the original theatrical release. And when you and I, when we were growing up, we only watched this on VHS, so we never had the chance to see it in theaters. Uh, so it was a great, it was a real treat. Even Denise really liked it. But, of course, the boys, they loved it in theaters. That's awesome. Yeah, it, I looked it up when you told me about it, and it was about an hour and 15 minute drive away. And I was like, oh, I love it that much. I might do it, but I just didn't find the time to do it. it was just That was a long drive to go just watch the movie one way and then drive all the way back. But uh, I bet it was super, super awesome. It was, man. It, it was just so good seeing everybody, Mikey, Chunk, Mouth, everybody just up on the big screen for the first time for me and for the boys. And uh, it's it's such a treat, man, G- being able to go back and revisit some of these awesome movies in theaters again. Like, whenever, if they ever re- re-release, like, M- The Matrix or Jurassic Park, I guarantee I'll be there again for those as well. Oh, yeah. Those are, you're right. There are tons and tons of movies that were so awesome to see. Even though we have big screen TVs now that are really, really big, it's just something different, something special about having like the surround sound and everything around you and these big screens, lights off and everything. There's something special about it. There is, without a doubt. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I want to do this podcast with you. It's going to force me to go to theaters more often. You know, sometimes a movie looks good, and I don't know if I want to take the time to go to the theaters, but now that you and I are doing this, I'm seeing more movies in theaters than ever before, and it's totally worth it. Yeah, especially it's also great when you have the $5 Tuesdays, and Mm -hmm. that is so worth going to movies now, instead of like $13 and stuff. Now, I got to tell you, um, I've said before that I've been using MoviePass, and what's been so horrible is MoviePass, these last two months, I literally cannot check into movies. It gives me an error saying, you're, you're all paid up, but you can't check into a movie. Like, it's not, the, it's not working right, so we can't do it. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? How in the world is it? That's like the whole functionality of your software is that I can actually go and check in on my phone, go to the movie, have it paid for. And no, that's not the way it's, uh, yeah. So these last two months, I've actually had to call in and say, Hey, I'm going to go watch a movie now. Would you please, you know, allow me to do it? And so what happened was eventually it got to be that the phone lines were so busy that they would not even um, answer. It would just hang up on you. Call again. And so you wouldn't be able to watch movies. And so I'm paying for something I can't even use. So I decided to cancel my subscription. It's just so horrible i even they even charged me for this month and i haven't even used it this month so i decided to go into my credit card and actually you know uh dispute the bill and they've already come back to me and said you won the resolution the resolution is already done you won and now you're you got your money back so yeah it's it's just horrible 
Yeah, I bet they automatically give anybody who complains about MoviePass because my guess is this is happening to everybody and everybody just disputing charges. So MoviePass is, they will be, uh, they're practically dead already, but I think they'll be long gone in, or, you know, they'll be gone in about a month or two. They'll definitely be dead, in my opinion. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just so horrific. Like, the service never works. They only limit, they limit you to certain movies at certain times. Like, it's just, it's so bad. That's the funniest thing, man. Yeah. And especially if you're charging $10 a month, I just don't know how they would make money. And apparently they're not. So they're all their investors are definitely out of luck. So now what I do is I do the $5 Tuesdays. Um, I have AMC close to us. We have a bunch of AMC. You have Regal around you. Um, but AMC is around here, and I just go to the five dollar Tuesdays. I'm a part of their premiere thing. It's like twenty bucks a month, or sorry, twenty bucks a year, and you get like a free movie on your birthday, free popcorn. You get five dollar Tuesdays, all that good stuff. So I go watch movies, and usually I'm like, man, I don't want to spend twelve dollars or thirteen dollars to watch movies, but on Tuesdays it's perfect. Yeah. Oh man. Do you think? Uh, do you think MovieTickets.com? Do you think they sent a little fake puppy dog to all of their investors and said, and it had with a note on it that says, "You've been had by MovieTickets.com." <laughs> oh, you mean Movie Pass or Movie, or movie Pass? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Movie Pass. You've been had. We just took all your money. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just like Ace Ventura did on a uh, that boxer guy. I can't think yeah. of his oh, name yeah. in real life in the movie. Yeah, he uh, he was fun to see. He definitely looks like a gruff dude. You don't want to tangle with. <laughs> No, definitely not. Definitely not. So, well, let's go ahead and get to the movie now. We're talking about Ace Ventura Part 1 Pet Detective today. Um, So what would you think about it, watching it again? Absolutely love the movie. I'm going to just go ahead and start with a rating because um, in thinking about the movie and I can watch it over and over again. So absolutely love the movie. I gave it a 95. Oh, easily. I, I give it. Well, we're giving letter grades now, so you're giving it an A. I always forget. Okay. I go okay. back to I give it an A right in the middle A. It's not A plus, um, but I do laugh a ton and I can watch it over and over again. So I give it an A. How about you? Me too. Same exact score, N.A. My boys both watched it with me again the other night. Uh, they would give it an A as well. Denise, eh, not so much. She might laugh occasionally, but for the most part, she's not a fan of these goofy kind of uh, physical comedy slapsticky kind of movies, you know. But me and the boys, A, A, A all around. Yeah, absolutely. And Melissa's the same way. She, like, shakes her head. I'm like, why do you keep watching it? Because you keep shaking your head. I'm like, it's like... Something that you don't want to watch, and yet you can't stop watching it. And she goes, mm-hmm. but it's just, it's just so bad. I'm like, it's not as bad as those Hallmark movies that you watch. Those things are horrible. Yeah. This is so much better. That's my opinion. But uh, yeah, I just, I think this movie's hilarious. There's so many funny things. Now, I was listening to Jamie Foxx, and I, you know I me, mean? I'm not a big Jamie Foxx fan, but Tim Ferriss has a podcast, a guy named Tim Ferriss, and he has a podcast where he talks to big names, you know, celebrities or, you know, successful people and all that. But he had Jamie Foxx on there, and Jamie Foxx was te- reminiscing about a story, um, a time that he was on the set of In Living Color. He looked over at Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey's just working, you know, scribbling away notes and stuff, reading a script, and Jamie Foxx says, hey, Jim, what do you got there? He's all, oh, just just something. And Jamie Foxx goes, no, seriously, what is it? What are, what are you working on? Oh, just 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 something. It's a script that I'm working on. He goes, well, what's the name? Oh, it's uh, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. And like he's almost <laughs> like he's almost like a, not really a shame, but like trying not to say it because it's kind of like an awkward, you know, like 
is this going to be a good movie or not? And in fact, I went on to was really neat going on to IMDb. They I like looking at all the different things that they talk about, like how much money that made and things like that, like a couple of quick things. So it had a $12 million budget and it grossed commutative worldwide $107 million. Wow, that is amazing. What a profit to turn. Absolutely. And my and, guess is this probably only had a couple million, if that, in marketing. So you could probably say maximum 15, maybe 18 million total spent and bring in in 103. Crazy good. Yeah. Um, Tom Shadak, Shadak, I think, um, he's the, the writer-director and um, worked with Jim Carrey. And he says in like an interview in 2011 that he admits the first time he actually saw the film, he was worried that it might end his and Jim Carrey's career. Uh-huh. And I was like, I could kind of see that because as as slapsticky as it is, it really can be like, oh, this is too crazy. But what was really interesting, I was listening, it was a long time ago. I think it was like a studio executive or something like that of like uh, Paramount or I can't remember who it was. But anyways, he was saying the reason why he knew Jim Carrey was going to be a star was when he saw his kids' friends acting out Jim Carrey's roles and doing what he does. And like, oh, oh this, like, he, kids love this and it's going to keep going. And so, yeah, I remember hearing that. That was pretty interesting. He was just watching other people and seeing what they are, the kids, like who who his target audience is and they love it. Yeah. Oh, totally. And uh, you and I were kids when this came out back in 1994. I was 17. You were 15. So this was really right up our alley. It's no wonder at that age, we're so impressionable, you know, Um, and we love things that we love so much that this movie has stuck with us forever since then. And did you know that back in 1994, this is the first of three movies that starred Jim Carrey out in theaters? In the same year? Yeah, in the same year. No, I don't. I'm not sure the exact order. I think... I think Ace Ventura was first, and then second was Dumb and Dumber, and then third was The Mask in that same year, all three. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Yeah. What well, a crazy year for him, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dumb and Dumber just is fantastic. I, we absolutely love that movie. That's like, you know, almost my number one. Um, and thinking of The Mask, The Mask was rather funny. It was really good, but at the same time, it had... Um, a little, if I were, if we were to ever watch it, which I don't think we'll ever do that on the show, I'd probably give it like a B minus. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was pretty funny. It was pretty good, and the um, effects and everything were pretty cool. Yeah, oh, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, but out of those three, uh, I, I agree with you. Dumb and Dumber is the best, with probably Ace Ventura followed up number two for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I, I was really enjoying watching it all over again, seeing how, and uh, such an over actor. Jim Carrey is like Mm -hmm. he overacts so much that like it's just so funny and I just wonder how much of it is either improv or written in there um it's just it's super awesome to see things that you would not normally expect out of a character do these sort of things and I know Jim Carrey um from Jamie Foxx's words saying that Jim Carrey was actually working on the script changing it and writing it like he wasn't planning on doing the doing the the movie but he was able to work with it and change it and make it better. And that's, you know, the final version that came out. Awesome. And you, my guess is a lot of that stuff is just off the cuff, impromptu kind of things that he does. Because when you watch a lot of those scenes, especially if the camera is pulled back and you look at the other actors around him, they really look like they're just kind of watching him and waiting to see <laughs> what he does. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And things like, I I don't know how you can script it. Maybe, maybe it is, but it's just awesome. Like 
when he goes into the rich guy's house and he goes into the bathroom and he closes the door to get ready to go and snoop around. He actually goes to the bathroom, looks in the mirror, and pops a zit. <laughs> yeah. Like, thinks of that. That's so awesome. It is. It is. My guess is a lot of that stuff is scripted, but I mean, he can, he's the kind of guy that he just does everything off the cuff. When he thinks something might be funny, bam, he does it. And I think a lot of it ends up on the cutting room, cutting room floor because he probably does for every take five or six different goofy things, you know, over and over again. So I'm sure a lot of awesome stuff ends up on the cutting room floor for him. Yeah. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, there's, he, so so many different nuances and how he does his face and even things that he says. I I do obviously with him being his same you know personality same self. You, in many movies, you see similar things that pop up that um, he does or mannerisms or kind of like little bits that he does, but they play well. Like one of our my kids and my favorite movie of Jim Carrey is The Grinch. Mm-hmm. I think The Grinch is absolutely phenomenal. It's such a terrific movie. And he does such a terrific job making sure that you can see his facial expressions, even though he has all the stuff all over his face. But yeah, Jim Carrey in this this role was absolutely... I don't know. That was going to ask you. Can you think of anybody else that could have done as good a job or better in this role? Uh, no, I, I can't. He nailed it perfectly. He's like the man of a thousand faces or rubber face. They might've called him nickname at one time. And he's great. And especially when he got freaked out, when the shark jumped up and they had to zoom in on his face <laughs> and he made like five, he like stretched his face five different ways in one quick half a second. I, he, he's, he was perfect. He was absolutely yeah. perfect. Hey, you had mentioned like Jim Carrey's overacting and stuff, right? I, Watching this, and I've always wondered this, you know, Sean, Sean Young's character, she plays Lieutenant, Lieutenant Einhorn, of course. She's kind of overacting as well. Do you think her overacting, was it kind of a natural response to like the outlandishness and the bigness of Jim Carrey's acting? Or, or was this like a directional choice? Like the director said, be loud and, and aggressive. Or was she trying to like invoke overbearing and aggressive police lieutenants and captains from prior movies? What do you think? You know, I really don't know because when she is acting, you can really tell like she's enunciating very, very loudly, like, like, or not loudly. That's not the best way to say it, but like the enunciation is very pronounced and the way she was acting. And I think it could be a directional, uh, you know, a director's cue of this is the direction because we have somebody like this, like Jim Carrey playing Ace Ventura is so, you know, uh, over the top obnoxious and all that sort of stuff we need somebody on the negative side that does play off that but um i think it was also the combination of that as well as being the hard-nosed um you know police captain and all that sort of stuff combined yeah and and i was also thinking maybe they were trying to um hint at her aggressive nature because she is a man you know what i mean yeah yeah i i definitely can see that yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to just it's something I always thought about because since I first saw that I've always liked Sean Young. She's a good actress and stuff. But this role, like if you were to judge her entire acting career on this role, she would be at the bottom of actor list. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what do you think of talking about the actors inside of it and actresses? I thought it was super awesome to see Tone Loke in there. Yeah, I haven't seen him do anything, I think, since this movie, maybe. But yeah, he was he was great in this little role as a whatever detective name he was. I'm just looking at the IMDb and he's been in quite a few movies like he was he was even in Heat, you know, with Val Kilmer. 
He was? Yeah, he was. That came so, out roughly the same year, though. Oh, so he maybe. he maybe did some acting and stuff back in the mid '90s, but since then, maybe not much. Yeah, it looks like 2005, 2006, mm. and then he dropped off until 2013. Then came back in a couple of TV series. But yeah, yeah, I like Tone Loke. And we, you know, you and I growing up as kids, we heard his music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also you got Dan Marino playing in there. That was pretty cool. If I was a football player, I'd be like, yeah, heck yeah, I'll be in the movie. Yeah, and I thought uh, Dan Marino did just a fine job, you know, as a football player acting. And he's a good commentator if you hear any of his games and stuff when he talks about sports and stuff. Like, he knows how to communicate with people, and I liked him in the role, too. And he had some really curry, curly Tom Jones-type hair back in the day, you know? He sure did. <laughs> so what did you think about the story and the flow of the storyline? Oh, I, I liked it. You know, I'm I'm kind of, when I watch this movie... I just take it for what it is. It's a total comedy with a guy who's acting over the top, doing outlandish things that nobody would actually do. And then so the story itself, I'm kind of like, it it really doesn't hit anywhere for me. It's not missing and it's not hitting. It's not like I love the story. I just love seeing Jim Carrey do all of his wacky stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I do remember the one thing that you and I would obviously say it's impossible is he's driving the car and the bad guys are shooting the the guns at him and he just bing and the bullets inside of his mouth. But obviously we know that I, I, I would just assume that definitely not the movie's not trying to say that he actually did catch it, but he put the bullet in his mouth just for fun and acted like he caught it. And then, you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe he does carry a, a couple of bullets in his glove compartment just for that specific joke. <laughs> but what's funny is we are the only ones watching, or you know, the, the audience is watching. If it was just a regular person, it would be like, who's he doing it for? Like, yeah. just for his own sake of you know humor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, he I is. Did, I think you know. Yeah, I did really, really like the story flow. It felt like um, there were different sections of the movie that made it move along really, really well. Like when he went to um, see Ray Finkel's parents mm-hmm. at his Graceland, uh, Collier County, you know, laces out. <laughs> yep. What a sports nut, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. like, that's so funny. And I love the time where he knocks on the door to the dad, opens the door, opens a little, little uh, peephole. And then the shotgun comes out. It literally touches his eyebrow. You can see it. It touches him in the eyebrow. He's all, I'm looking for Ray Finkel and a clean pair of shorts. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) It is. Yeah, you're right. It is hilarious. And it does progress nicely. At no time am I bored in the movie. I'm just looking forward to seeing what he's going to do next. He's just so fun to watch on screen. And just about everybody else other than Sean Young, they kind of played the straight laced to his craziness. You know, so there was a good, it's not like everybody in the movie was crazy. He was the only one crazy. And people were, like you said, looking at him like, what is this guy doing? And it's working for him. It's working for us as the movie audience. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely. And going to like Shady Acres, that was a whole new twist and everything. It, mm-hmm. it was, you know, you go from nothing where he's trying to find, he found the pebble and then goes to try to look at all the different um, uh players and everybody who would have a ring and that's like a whole series of events in itself then it jumps to collier county then it goes to shady acres then it it just it keeps moving along really well it doesn't drag on and you're right watching him and just say hey what's he gonna do next now did you remember that they made a cartoon series out of pet uh ace ventura pet detective yeah i remembered it but i don't recall anything about it did did we watch it at some point I think we watched a, a few episodes, but we didn't 
I know I didn't really gravitate towards it. Like it was good, but it was a, a lot of the similar jokes and things just played over again. So mm-hmm. I guess you know I kind of it got it kind of got a little old. But at the same time, when it came out, this movie we were fifteen and seventeen years old. By the time the cartoon came out, I think it was. I don't know. We might have been like 19, 20, 21. So yeah. we're definitely past the cartoon stage. So it wasn't something we would want to watch. Well, no. And it's probably just a ton of um, weird situations that he gets in him acting weird and then saying, all righty then and loser a lot because you can't do a lot of the, because it's a kid's cartoon. You can't do a lot of like anything. Uh, you can't do anything like crazy sexual type jokes or um, uh, I don't know, aggressive fighting type stuff. Like when he beats up, the Eagles mascot at the end of the movie, you know, you, you have to tone it down for a kid's movie. So it's not up our alley anymore at that point. Yeah. Did you buy this on DVD? Oh, definitely. Does it have, I think I did too, but I've since gotten rid of all my DVDs. I put them on a computer and, um, well, I don't remember any, what is it like a bonus footage? You know, no, like it the doesn't have any commentary behind the scenes video stuff. It has behind, behind the scenes, uh, text to read. Oh, so you can go through and I can't remember exactly like, you know, it might talk about, you know, where the movie was filming and then there'll be like three paragraphs about where they filmed in various parts of Florida or something about the actors. And they'll talk about Jim Carrey and Sean Young, but they're just words to read that you kind of scroll through. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Which the- is a bummer. Cause that was the first thing I looked for after I watched the movie, I went to the special features and no videos to watch. Yeah. So the, and I, I was thinking it would be so cool to see, you know, how all that played out and stuff. And even just getting commentary from the actors, like saying what they were thinking at the time and seeing Jim Carrey do all those crazy things. But it was written, the mo- movie was written by Jack Bernstein. And then the screenplay was written by Jack Bernstein, Tom Shattuck, who was the director, and Jim Carrey. So all three of them worked together to make it what it is today. Yeah. And if I remember right, uh, there is audio commentary, but just with the director for the movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Got you it. could listen to that, but I always like hearing commentary with some of the actors as well as a director and maybe a producer thrown in uh, because you get ideas bouncing back and forth and you get to hear their perspective from, or you get to hear their stories from different perspectives, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I still am blown away at how much money this movie made, This the production company. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, That's- it is. It's crazy profitable for them. I, I mean, it, it makes sense that this movie also, it just blew up Jim Carrey's career. I mean, a lot yeah. of people, like if you look at the Rotten Tomato score, did you take a look? No, I'm just looking on um, IMDb. It was like 6.9. Okay. You know, don't ever trust those IMDb scores. If if you oh. look at some of the best movies, you'll see their scores range from 7.1 to 7.8. Oh, wow. Like even just some of the best, like type in Godfather right now. Like yeah. seriously, while I'm talking, do Godfather okay. and see what the IMDb rating is. I bet you it's between 7.1 and 7.8. Um, and I think the reason why is because so many different people put in their input to IMDb that it's just going to homogenize and give everybody a C, you know? Okay, you're you're going to have to eat your words. Really? 9.2 for Godfather. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. Yep. You're right. Yep, I'm yep. going to have to eat my words. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, man. What about, but, let me see. The Matrix gets a, wow, I am off, 8.7. Huh, yeah. Maybe so some, what, some movies I've looked up in the past, maybe, I guess it just depends on the movie, you know? Yeah, but yeah, so I just about, now pointed out too <laughs> that <laughs> shot against my my theory right there. So, so scratch what that about, theory, ignore it. What about... um? 
this movie. What was the IMDb for this? Or not IMDb, the uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where we started, huh? Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics, 47%, and audience, just 57%. Oh, my goodness. So pretty darn low on both fronts. They both felt about the same for it. Especially since it made $102 million. Yeah. Like, like that that just doesn't fly well. Like, it, you know, it doesn't correlate with how much money they made. It kind of does in, in a sense that people that are leaving reviews um, on like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Back then, the people that were watching this movie were kids our age, right? We're not leaving reviews anywhere. We're just talking about it to our friends. We're saying, oh, my God, I really loved it. We're telling our best friends at school to go see it as well. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and so later on as we grow up, if we remember and if we think about it, we might go to Rotten Tomatoes and leave our own audience review right here. Like, I could right now give it a five-star rating and leave a review if I wanted to. But, you know, I don't really want to do that. I don't care what the score is. I mean, I would yeah. like it to be higher, but I'm not going to throw in my little five-star and get it at instead of 57.895%. Now it'll be 57.896% after my review, you know? Because <laughs> there's 33 want... million reviews for this movie. Oh my what goodness. is my little opinion going to change the score? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, and I don't I don't really care that much to even do it. Like, yeah. I could sign up for IMDb, sign up for Rotten Tomatoes, and be a, a, you know have my rating go in there. I just don't care. I don't want to do it. Yep exactly me too i I feel the exact same as you so um i think that's why it made so much money all the teenagers who are not going to leave reviews who don't really care about that stuff they just want to see a fun movie they're the ones who made this money movie or movie money i agree okay so what was your favorite scene in the movie my favorite scene is um oh man it's a toss-up between two but i really love at the end how he goes he found captain winky (laughs) and just that entire scene of him beating up a a woman all the cops come in they want to shoot him but he throughout the movie right you were talking about this earlier um how he went you know the story progresses from one thing to the next he's demonstrating how he's a great detective even though he's a bit weird and unorthodox he gets his man at the end right and he and he finds snowflake and finds dan marino and all that stuff and i love how just the movie culminates in this scene um and i love everybody at the end you know the whole joke he found captain winky and everyone starts spitting like they kissed (laughs) her at some point as well yep i just I, i i love the end scene yeah you said there was a second one the second one would be the instant replay at the mental institution. Well, the whole mental institution, Shady Acres thing. But the, that instant replay, I've never seen anybody do that ever. Now, if you watch any movie or somebody does that as a joke at some time, it's always going to bring you back to Ace Ventura. This movie was a pioneer in the instant replay joke department. I I absolutely agree. And it would be interesting to see if that was actually written in the actual you know script. Mm-hmm. And if that's something, or that's something he just played out did which it's so funny they're just watching him the whole time while he's doing that it's mm-hmm. so good yeah even so, the people in the background like the extras sitting there in the waiting room chairs yep <laughs> they were just watching him too <laughs> so like i said that's what everyone's doing he is just going off the cuff doing crazy impromptu stuff and as a fellow actor in a scene you're forced to just basically watch him perform you know yes absolutely mm-hmm. well especially when he takes the stage or you know the screen so well like everybody like his eyes go right to that guy um Every, every time he's in a movie, whatever scene he's in, you have to be looking at him for some reason. Like it just dra- drives your eyes away from everybody else to him. 100%. So what was your favorite scene? My favorite scene is the apartment scene where he acts like Columbo. Mm-hmm. And, oh, there is just one more thing. <laughs> he goes outside. 
opens the door. I thought that was brilliant. And he goes, man, I'm tired of being right. That's so good. Yeah, that scene, I mean, not only the funniness of it, but it also demonstrated just how great of a detective he is. Everybody else was there where it's kind of like assuming it was a suicide. And then he comes in, spots a few inconsistencies, and schools them on it. I love the the pet detective schooling the human detectives. Absolutely. And he was rather interesting. I didn't pick this up at the time because I was a kid. But now looking back and seeing that when he says, oh, except for that spot of blood over on the railing where the captain goes over there and literally wipes the blood off. Like, <laughs> uh, that's the, I've seen plenty of CSI and I'm a professional now because I've seen those yep. and I know you don't do that. Yep. <laughs> no, she, she done screwed up, but I mean, maybe that's a little, maybe that's a little hint for us as, um, as the movie audience saying that, oh, she's not actually the Lieutenant that she should be. Maybe she's faking this role. Maybe, maybe she's covering up something. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> cool beans. So, uh, let me see here. What was your first life lesson from this movie? My first life lesson is always good. Or basically every time, or it's always time to have and practice good hygiene. Even if you're searching, you're looking for, um, you know, snowflake, a, a dolphin, and you see a pimple, go ahead and pop it. There you go. There you go. Yep. You got to keep up appearances, you know? Yep. He's absolutely. a single guy. He's got to be, uh, you know, uh, he's got to get the ladies hot to trot for him. Yep. Absolutely. Good hygiene. That's the way yeah, to go. Yeah, totally, totally. Yep. Uh, so my first lesson is if you're struggling to pay your apartment rent at 35 years old, you are doing something wrong. And so like Ace Ventura with his career, sure, he's helping people find their pets and he cares about animals and he cares about endangered species and stuff. So it is a bit noble, but it doesn't seem to be so lucrative. You know, if you can't keep the lights on in your own apartment, then what are you or what good are you to the lost pets of the world? So I'm going to tag on to you as well is... And this was a lesson, but I got rid of it. I put something else in there to be a little more serious. Uh, but it was when you're 35 or, you know, when you're older like that, don't live in an apartment. <laughs> there you go. Just that don't too. live in an apartment. I personally will never live in a I have lived in apartments in the past, um, but I will never, ever do it again, at least as best as I can. I will work my tail off to never have to live in an apartment. And, you know, having a landlord, it's going to be coughing all over you. I love what he goes. Yes, Satan. <laughs> so yeah. Funny. Uh, yeah. Oh, you're right about that. Even if you're like in between houses, let's say you're going to sell your house and you're building your brand new house. It's going to take six months to build, but there's a brand new buyer for your house. He wants your house right now. Go ahead and sell it and rent a house for six months. Don't move into a simple apartment for six months. Absolutely. You know, you're walking by smelling all the other people's cooking and it all yep. mixes together and, you know, not just cooking, but there's other things you're going to be smelling just being around people and Oh, uh, yeah. So that's a life lesson for you. So my second lesson is it goes off of him being a detective. Like he just is very perceptive. So you need to be perceptive and come to conclusions if you want to be detective. Now, I don't want to be a detective. I know I'm not good at I'm somewhat perceptive, but I don't draw conclusions like I see something, but I don't try to figure out what that actually means. Uh, my wife's really good at that. She loves doing that stuff. But anyways, you need to be perceptive just in general because you can tell a lot about people and situations and things if you're perceptive about the situation and people and things. Totally. I love that. You're absolutely right about that. Great, great lesson there. Um, let me see here. My second lesson, blaming others for your issues will lead to your downfall. You need to take responsibility for what happens in your life, right? And 
Einhorn or Ray Finkel. You could think about like Ray Finkel screwed up the kick, blaming Dan Marino for it. His life goes down the drain. His family's attacked. He's attacked. Maybe not physically, but verbally attacked. You know what I mean? So he decides to, I can't stand this anymore. I'm going to get back at Dan Marino. He actually becomes a police lieutenant, assumes somebody's identity, becomes a police lieutenant, works up the ranks there, could have gone on and lived a happy life with a lot of responsibility being a respected police lieutenant, but instead decides to throw it all away because blaming Dan Marino for the problems in her life, you know, and, and going out for revenge. Just screwed everything up, wasted her life that way because of that uh, revenge-seeking and blaming others. Yes, Absolutely. You can only control how you react to things and your attitude towards things. So 100% right on. Good job. Yep. Yep. Okay. My third lesson goes along with how he kept on and he did not stop. He didn't give up. Even though every Lee was was basically done, he was persistent. So my lesson number three, be persistent and never give up. And so when he finally figured out who it was, he just, um, you know, well, before that, he was going to, I wouldn't say he was going to give up. He was like, let me look at receipts now. We got to go back, you know, basically back to draw, square uh, drawing board, back to square one. And then he spots the picture and super cool how he can spot that from that far away. You know, who's that? Because he hasn't seen him. But um, mm-hmm. really, really neat to be pers- uh, persistent and never give up. I love that lesson. And you're right, not just in police work, but anything in life. If you have a passion, if you want to be a musician, you know, uh, uh, the the lead guitarist of a rock band, you've got to be playing that guitar four hours a day. You've got to be going out to shows on the weekend, play as much music as you can for anybody at any time that you can. You're right about that. Persistence is key. Awesome. Awesome. How about you? What's your last one? My last one is do not leave a calling card when you pull a fast one. (laughs) So he left that you've been had by Ace Ventura on that dog. And you're just inviting this jacked up meathead to come find you and pulverize you in the future. Do not do that. Yeah, you pulled one over on him. Just be happy with the fact that you got the better of him. Exactly. Because apparently he's going to have that calling card. He might have other marketing out there where he says, Ace Ventura, hire me. (laughs) Yep, that's right. Here's my phone number. Here's my address. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Totally, totally. Hey, but I do want to give you my Monday morning quarterback that goes right along with one of my lessons, right? Um, That first lesson is if you're struggling to pay your rent at 35, you're doing something wrong. Here's my Monday morning quarterback. He should have taken a payout instead of sexy time with that woman in the beginning of the movie. And so his life decisions are obviously leading him to the situations he's in now. You are absolutely right. He he definitely needed the money absolutely more so than that. So Mm -hmm. absolutely right on. So my Monday morning quarterback is thinking about how he can best do um, uh, the job of finding Snowflake beforehand instead of just grabbing a picture he said can you give me a roster a list of all the players that are on the team you know uh, the 1985 team or whatever year that was can you give me a list of everybody ah instead of just relying on that one picture that one picture yeah gotcha yeah you're right because ray finkel's name would have been in that list uh you're right Yep, so that's my Monday morning quarterback. 100%. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so even even the best detectives can make mistakes sometimes, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. So what is your movie prop that you would like to own from this movie? It would be his sunglasses. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. What was what was memorable about them? They just seemed like regular Oakleys or whatever they might uh, have I been. think they were Ray-Ban. No, they're just super oh, cool. It's something that I remember about oh. him as I watched the movie. 
Plus, I can't really think of another other than like maybe a Dolphin AFC Championship ring, which it would probably be one of. Actually, no, I. If I were to think about it again, that's probably the one I would want is Ray Finkel's ring that had the stone missing. I'd probably want that. Uh, gotcha. That That's a good idea, too. My idea was I would take the Finkel Die Dan diary that she wrote up or, you know, with all the Die Dan, Die Dan laces out and stuff. And I would put it, you know how in movies or anywhere you go a museum and they have a book on display in a nice glass case and it's opened up to the perfect page, you know? Um, yeah. I would have it opened up to a an awesome Die Dan laces out page. Yeah, I really enjoyed seeing that diary as he opened up. Like every single page was so scribbled over mm-hmm. of everything about Die Dan. And I love the, uh, the his mom, Frankel's mom. That Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rot in hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was great, man. Two, two things I do want to mention. You know the whole um, camp's party scene? Uh-huh. Two really funny things that I laugh so hard each time I see it. He's walking through the party and he pulls on the cello player's arm just I, for fun, just to mess up the music. I busted up because I every single time I see that, it's just so unexpected. Bring, it's like, yeah. oh my goodness. Uh, totally, totally. And then later on, you know, when he comes out of the toilet, he goes, if I had been drinking from the toilet, I might have been killed. <laughs> I love it. That whole scene was great. So, uh, you know, that's like a third favorite scene for me. And I, I agree with you on Pedactor's apartment scene. Like, seriously, every scene is good. When he's when he's just meeting Melissa for the first time and chewing up seeds and spitting them out. And she says, you know, do you want an ashtray? Oh, no, thank you. I don't smoke. It's a disgusting habit. Disgusting. And he smiles <laughs> and his teeth are disgusting. It just, there's so many funny scenes that it's hard to pick a single favorite. Yeah, I absolutely think this movie is great. That's why I give it a good solid A. Now, it, as I watch it again, um, they're like Dumb and Dumber, I would give it A plus. This is mm-hmm. definitely an A. Yeah. It's not the Dumb and Dumber A plus, probably because it's just so Jim, like so centered on Jim Carrey. Where you have, um, is it um, Jeff Daniels? His? Jim Daniels, right? Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, and he's brilliant in Dumb and Dumber as well. So that you know, the combination of all that makes uh, Dumb and Dumber for me A plus. But making this an A is a solid A rating for me. Yeah, totally. I I'm, I'm, I agree with you one hundred percent. Before you move on, or before we move on, is there anything else you want to discuss? No, I think I got everything out there. Well, I mean, every single time that I laughed, I could bring up and talk about it. But I yeah. think we covered everything. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Oh, the last thing I want to say is this is really the Jim Carrey that I fell in love with. Every movie that kind of has this kind of Jim Carrey, slapsticky, goofy, rubber face kind of stuff, I love them all. Uh, Some of his other movies where he's just kind of straight-laced or just kind of regular comedy kind of guy, those aren't my favorite movies. This is the Jim I grew up with. Like, you know how people say they watch Doctor Who and they say, who is your Doctor Who? And they say, oh... Uh, whatever Doctor Who, David Tennant was my Doctor Who, Matt Smith or whatever. This is my Jim Carrey, Dumb and Dumber. I'm sorry, uh, Ace Ventura, Jim Carrey. (laughs) Yes, same here. This is where he came on the map for me. I was like, man, this is such a great movie. So yeah, absolutely, this one. Totally, totally. So uh, let's see, this was my choice and I'm hoping, I'm hoping you choose what I want for the movie next week. So you tell me, Dust, what movie are we learning from? We are going to learn from Ace Ventura Part 2, when nature calls. Yes, I'm so glad you chose that, man. Because how could you do part one without part two with the direct as a direct follow up? You know, absolutely. And when I think of Jim Carrey and I think of the Ace Ventura, for some reason I get in my brain and I think of more laughs out of part two. Like 
I just have so many more things that I laugh out, even though part one was great and I laughed a ton throughout the entire movie. But when I think of Ace Ventura, all the scenes in my brain go to part two. So I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, me too. You know, you're right. That's a really good point. It's been a few years since I watched part two. So I, I, I have the same feeling that you do. So I'm going to look forward to watching it and then talking about it next weekend and kind of comparing the two movies. Awesome. Let's do it. Sweet, man. Well, uh, for the audience, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And of course, you know how we feel about Ace Ventura, and we would want to hear your thoughts as well. You can just go to the show notes page, watchandlearnpodcast.com slash pod 44. Leave a comment. You can view our life lessons there. I actually have a little link for the official trailer on that page as well. Alrighty then. Uh, oh, <laughs> of course. Alrighty then. I should say it like Jim Carrey. Well, uh, my name is Sky. Alrighty then. This is Dusty. And we will return next week with Ace Ventura 2 When Nature Calls. Mm-hmm.